3: SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, 24/7. As our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Welcome in, everybody, to the early line. We are live right here on SportsGrid on a Monday morning. the Walsh joined, of course, by Donnie Rideside DRS, how are you feeling?
5: Yeah, usually we say new week, new money, but now it's new month, new money, as we are now in the month of May. Playoffs in the NBA, Major League Baseball heating up, even a hockey playoffs getting underway. It's a lot of good stuff to love here in the month of May, Kevin.
4: No doubt about it. The NBA playoffs round number two started yesterday, and that's why we'll start with these seven and seven top headlines. First in the Eastern Conference, Donnie, the best player in the world, He was out in full force yesterday. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 24 points, 13 rebounds, and 12 assists. His second career playoff triple-double. He was a plus 23 in the basketball game, and the Milwaukee Bucks won 101-89 in Boston. Yeah,
5: Bucks were the best, better team all the way through four quarters in that basketball game, and you're led by your star players, which was Giannis Antetokounmpo, played 38 minutes, only went 9 of 25 from the field. But, hey, anytime you're going to get a triple-double in the playoffs on the road, you would probably factor in your team as a pretty good chance to win, and they did that all. And shout out Bobby Portis for his 15-11 and 11 and
4: cashing tickets mm-hmm. for
5: old DRS
4: you love to see that. That win from Milwaukee has moved them up to the favorites in the Eastern Conference. They're the team with the best odds in the East to win an NBA championship and are series favorites over the Boston Celtics. Giannis, again, absolutely dominant in that game. Over in the Western Conference, in the 2-3 matchup between Memphis and Golden State, Donnie, a very bizarre spot where a team is catching two points, loses, but covers but Clay did come up clutched on a big late triple as the Golden State Warriors win game 1 in Memphis 117 to 116 one of the other stories of this game Draymond ejected early only logged 17 minutes and Golden State was still still able to pull this one out
5: yeah, that's pretty big. You lose the heart and soul of your team there on an unquestionable ejection, flagrant foul call. But you're right. Klay Thompson did step up in the biggest moments here, about 30 seconds to go, dropping that three-point shot. And Also, still with a chance to win it at the end. You thought if they just got the basketball to John Moran, Kevin, he would be able to do enough to lay it in and get it going. It was a tough layup at the end of the game, but great defense by the Golden State Warriors. as They take game one and take command, or should I say, take control of the Western Conference Series here.
4: I think Command Donnie is more than fair. They are now yeah. sitting at a minus 550 price to win this series, taking that yeah. first game in Memphis. They stole home court back. And the Golden State Warriors have also, because they're up 1 0 in a series, are the favorites to win the NBA championship. A lot of backing on the Golden State side with just that one result, obviously. We'll break that down. We'll also be able to preview two more game number ones today the Suns and the Mavs. And In the East, Donnie, unfortunately, the big story around Heat Sixers, Joel Embiid, his healthiest season of all time, postseason comes around, torn ligament in the thumb, plays through it, fractured orbital bone, and he's now going to miss the first two games at least of this series here versus Miami.
5: Yeah, it looks like some better news, I guess you could say, for the Philadelphia 76ers as Joel Embiid is expected back of the possibility of him coming back in Game 3 back in Philadelphia. But that doesn't help you. here. You can't just say in a playoff series against a number one seed, we'll spot you two games and then try to go out and win a series down 0-2. It usually doesn't happen. So it's just a doomsday scenario for the Philadelphia 76ers because rightfully so, you can replace some guys. Joel Embiid for the Philadelphia 76ers, there is no replacements here. And even if Doc Rivers says we're going to have a center by committee, type of committee you can have out on the court for one and two. <laughs> Not a good look for the Sixers as they hope to advance over the Miami Heat.
4: Radio audiences here on a Monday morning. Sirius XM, Channel 159. Kevin and Donnie Wright side with you on the early line, talking about some of the big stories in the NBA. The Miami Heat have uh, seen their number increase to win that series, now sitting at minus 300. Again, the good news, if anything, for Philly, you were always going to be a dog in Miami. If Embiid's back for game number three, even if it's 2-0, well, I guess you'll live with that. Looking at some of the other headlines, Don, if the NFL draft buttoned up over the weekend. We saw the Tennessee Titans be the team to stop the Malik Willis fall. Uh, but Malik Willis was not even the second quarterback drafted. The Falcons took Desmond Ritter. We also saw the Panthers step up to the podium and take Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Some of these quarterbacks now finding their landing spots.
5: Yeah, quarterbacks usually control the draft, but that wasn't the case here in 2022. Now, as we look forward to it, we're going to break this down in the next segment. I actually think where these quarterbacks went really are going to help them along in their career because so many times that you might get overdrafted or to go to a team that's not going to put you in the best light here. I do think there were some really good landing spots for all of these quarterbacks that went, and we'll break that down momentarily of what the pros and the cons for each one of those guys and also teams were.
4: We certainly will, and there's some headlines uh, around the NFL that aren't, Strictly draft-related, though, I guess the draft can influence some of these things, such as Donnie, the New Orleans Saints, who left that draft without much secondary help, now are expected to heavily pursue Tyran Mathieu as they look to add the Honey Badger to a secondary that they're hoping can be at a level that will let this team get back into the playoffs there. Leave me alone, Donnie. Matthew, Mathieu, I mean, it's all the same. Uh, Ah, good one. Let's talk some Major League Baseball here, Donnie, though. How about New York baseball? One, you smile all you want. There was one guy that said Yanks-Mets World Series. We ended the season today, ignored the playoffs, and just put the two teams with the best records in the World Series. But Yankees-Mets World Series, both these teams are awesome early season.
5: Yeah, shocking. Two teams with high payrolls look like early lead here in the clubhouse to try to get to the World <laughs> Series. And also, shout out Aaron Judge yesterday. Two home runs. All he was one RBI guy. He didn't have to get two home runs, but you know, oh. thanks for making me look like a special, special
4: handicapper, Aaron. Thank you. How about a How about a pair of solo shots though, Don? He didn't want to run it up a yes. five RBI no, day. I like that. You got to respect yeah. that. There. By the way, Kershaw, congrats became the all time strikeout leader in Dodger history. Talk to NBA next.
2: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba da ba ba ba.
4: Back with you here on Sportsbook. Want to start it off with the two NBA playoff games we saw yesterday. So much to get to. We get to the NFL draft. We have a lot coming up for you here on this Monday show. And we'll start in Boston. Donnie, the Milwaukee Bucks go to Boston. A Four and a half point dog. No Middleton. No Middleton. No Middleton. Is what people continue to preach. No middle to no problem. 101-89, the Milwaukee Bucks went into Boston and were dominant. The Boston Celtics made, Donnie, 10 two-point field goals in this game. The second fewest in the history of the NBA playoffs since the three-point line was added. This was a game where the Milwaukee Bucks forced the Boston Celtics to play their game. This Bucks defense, Donnie, is playing as good as any unit in the entire postseason. Giannis was fantastic, and the Bucks have moved to series favorites. What's your reaction to how we stand right now 1-0 Milwaukee's way?
5: Yeah, live by the 3, die by the 3 here, Kevin, in game 1 at home. They shot 53 point shots for the Boston Celtics, which equated to 36%, which actually isn't that bad. But then you couple that with this as you said only making 10 two-point buckets here. You shoot 33% from the field in an NBA game, particularly on your own home court. You're not winning that game here. You can't even expect to compete. So 101 to 89 made a lot of sense, but I think it boils down to when we were starting this series, I actually thought the Milwaukee Bucks were the better overall team here. And if you take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, you take a look at the series betting schedule, minus 126 here now for the Milwaukee Bucks. As I look at that number, Kevin, to me, it actually seems light here. You did the heavy lifting already for the Milwaukee Bucks. You won on the opposing team's home court. If you win game two, that probably will already cement the series. And we know the Boston Celtics, obviously they know that as well. They need a win on their home court to at least send it back to Milwaukee at 1-1. to But if we take a look, you lean on your superstars in the biggest moments. Giannis wasn't clean yesterday, which means he does one of his, you know, 16 of 22 or just something ridiculous like that. He was okay from the field, but when you needed buckets and you needed rebounds, he gave it to you here. A Mm triple-double, and quite frankly, again, I'll get back to that final score, 101-89. to it felt like throughout the game, even though obviously it was a little bit closer in the first half once the game starts out, I never felt one time watching this game, Kevin, all the way through, that the Bucs weren't the better team or in danger of actually losing their lead. I never felt that way.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's understandable. So let me say a couple things there, though, in terms of, you know, live by the three, die by the three. That's what the Bucs make you do. The Milwaukee Bucks, Donnie, gave up the most threes per game in the NBA's regular season. At 40.6, they were the only team that allowed opponents to shoot 43s a game. This is by design. So when we talk, by the way, game to game, feel free to line up your Bucks three-point player props because those vo- the volume's going to be there. Maybe not 50 every night, but the floor it feels essentially like 40 attempts as a team. And no, Giannis w- was certainly not dripping in efficiency in this game, but the defensive dominant was uh, obvious to watch, but doing everything. 13 rebounds, 12 assists to go along with those 24 points. But, Donnie, like the plus 23. And this is what Giannis was doing in the Chicago series. You know, he finished one game with 18 points, but he was a plus 38, right? And here's the thing that I pointed out to some people yesterday, Donnie. I understand the Boston Celtics swept. I'm not taking anything away from that. They were the only team to advance Donnie that did not win a game by 15 or more points, Their biggest margin of victory was by 7 versus the Brooklyn Nets. It's why I was so hard on Kevin Durant for how that series ended. A lot of, man, the roster. Oh, my goodness. The construction, Steve Nash, Ben Simmons. No. If Kevin Durant played to Kevin Durant's standards, that series is 2-2 through 4. And instead it was a 4-0 sweep. That was a much tighter series, Donnie, than that sweep suggested. Well, now here we are, and Giannis did show up, unlike Kevin Durant. Giannis is the best player by a lot in this series, and that makes the difference in the postseason, Donnie. That's a big thing to me. I know Boston swept, but not all sweeps are created equally.
5: No, they're certainly not all created equally here. And also, as you see, you try to creep forward. Say, how can Boston rebound from this? I don't know. Make some of your three-point shots. Capitalize on the home court advantage that you have. And if we take a look at game two here, the FanDuel Sportsbook is still relatively same spread. Minus four for the Boston Celtics here in the total. That's going to hover around that 214 price. This is one of those, games we call like a kitchen sink game coming up. But looking for Mm -hmm. the totality here, what do the Boston Celtics have to do outside of actually making three-point shots? Use your talent on your basketball team. Even on your bench here, make sure that they miss Chris Middleton because it's apparent that right now you're saying, hey, hold on, man, an all-star guy, an all-star starter possibly is out of the lineup and you can't handle your business. It shows how quality of the depth that you have for the Milwaukee Bucks coming off the bench. When you have guys like Connaughton or Grayson that can step up or even Portis since he's been inserted into the starting lineup this year, they are getting those secondary scoring options, including with Drew Holiday. You have to use the length of your bench here to try to upset that Milwaukee Bucks team and maybe you catch Giannis on a night off but technically even though Kevin he had the triple double it wasn't as if he went for 45 points and was ultra efficient you might even look at this game from the walkie bucks go man Kevin, we didn't even play one of our near-best games here, and we still won by Mm -hmm. double digits in the Garden. Let's go out and play really good defense again, and maybe we'll make even more shots to be able to take that 2-0 series lead. If I'm a Boston Celtics fan or backer in this series, I'm very demoralized after that for Game 1. No Middleton in the lineup. Giannis, yes, got to say triple-double, but it wasn't the best of the best. It was like, man, nobody was going to stop Giannis in the Boston Garden. No way anybody was going to win there. Mm -hmm. The Boston
4: Celtics were that
5: bad in Game 1. They need a huge rebound for Game 2.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. And and to be honest with you, though the Celtics' current price to win the title is laughable, at plus five fifty. Sat in front of the Miami Heat makes no sense whatsoever. The Celtics are a dog to win their series, and if they got through, would it be a you know road team against Miami. Miami's minus three hundred to win their series. Dallas sits there twenty to one. Dallas' numbers too far back, but Boston should be closer to Dallas than Miami. Let alone in front of. Miami. Talk about Western Conference teams, Donnie, the Grizzlies, and the Warriors. Pre-postseason, right? I thought these teams would meet. I thought Golden State would get through. I digested everything that was delivered to us from the opening uh, round of the postseason, and I thought Memphis was going to win this series. I worry, though, Donnie, that they missed a huge opportunity. They made more threes. They made more free throws. They won the turnover battle, and Draymond Green only logged 17 minutes because he was ejected in a flagrant two. Game was close. It came down to a John Morant layup. But, Donnie, that might just be the difference here in Memphis winning a series and this thing being over in short order. I think Memphis really, really missed a golden opportunity to set the tempo for this series. What's your reaction?
5: Yeah, similar to like the last series, right? We say, okay, Memphis, what are you doing game one here? Now it looks like you're going to struggle to win this series if you're lucky to win it at all. They picked up a W last series against the Timberwolves, and I expect them to pick up a W here in game two versus the Golden State Warriors. But I see where you're coming from. When you have a chance and you're at home and Draymond Green is ejected, he's going to miss the second half you should be able to control this. But how about stepping up with some of the guys here for the Warriors? You know, Jordan Poole looked like he was going to slip back into anonymity, right? Say, okay, man, I had my run, I had my fun. Splash Brothers were out here primarily for the season. I was getting mine, and now I'm not. He comes up monstrous. He plays 38 minutes in this game and drops 31 points. But I want to get back to the Memphis Grizzlies because after game one, You lose it by one point. But, yes, they did cover the point spread, which is kind of an anomaly there. But if you take a look at the series betting prices here at the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think it's too high, Kevin. I don't think the Golden State Warriors should be a minus 550 after the first game of the series here which gives you a series price on the memphis grizzlies at a plus 410 if you can win this second game which i do believe memphis is going to do and tie it up and go back 1-1 i don't see the memphis grizzlies as boy we let one get away man now there's no way we can win the series i like the depth and the makeup here the memphis grizzlies they just need to get off the schneid here get 1-1 going back to san francisco and i think they can do some damage so looking at that series
4: price plus 410 that's nice and juicy Yeah, I agree, and really, and I think they kind of know themselves, Donnie, that maybe it's a bit too far because they've not also added a series spread price. The idea that you would get Memphis right now plus two and a half games would be unbelievably intriguing to me here. Uh, I agree with Donnie. I think Memphis can still make some noise in this series. A lot for us to break down. We'll make sure we button up the NBA. We'll turn our attention to the NFL draft. New quarterbacks find new homes. What do we think about those
3: landing spots? We'll break it all down next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
2: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back
4: right here on Sports Grid. We're closing out the NBA. I wanted to just bring up one thing, down that kind of captures the first few games here. Golden State wins their game. They jump Phoenix, odds to win the NBA championship. Milwaukee wins their game. They They jump Boston and Miami, in odds to win the NBA championship. As a whole, do you agree with the Game 1 moves that we see on the FanDuel Sportsbook for odds to win a title, considering that if... Tonight, say Phoenix and Miami, who are both favoring the games. If they handle their business, it seems as if Phoenix is going to go back to a title favorite. Miami might go back to the best odds of any team in the Eastern Conference. Just your thoughts, Tony, on that movement. Yeah, betting betting Evan Flow is
5: basically what it is, right? Goes back and forth here. You're gonna see one team take a one-o series lead, particularly guys like the Golden State Warriors, where you're on the road. So you winning one game there, the pendulum swings then back in your direction. But it's it's about right because it's what we see. And also we're talking about not the longevity of an you know eighty-two game season. It's a seven game series where you win game one. That puts you in the driver's seat to win the series and the odds will be adjusted accordingly.
4: I think ultimately for me, Milwaukee jumping in front of Boston makes sense because they need to be favorites in that series. Putting them in front of Miami, Miami's minus 300 to win their series. Milwaukee's minus 126. Milwaukee's on the road if they play in the Eastern Conference finals. It's too much. Golden State, I understand they're up 1 0. Phoenix is still a big favorite in their series and will be favored over the Warriors. In that series, if they meet, I think ultimately it does create some value. If you wanted to bet the Suns, if you wanted to bet the Heat, I think you have a bit more of a reason to do so based on some of those game number one moves. Let's shift over to the NFL, though, Donnie. We have plenty of time to get back to the NBA, hour number two. I have a lot that we can preview and reassess there. Well, the NFL draft, Donnie, usually, right – I feel like you and I would come in here, maybe a segment on some draft grades. We'd probably be rehashing a lot of the stuff that we saw on the Thursday round number one, and that would be it. You know, Donnie, day two and day three had a lot to to sink your teeth into, right? Because of the fact that these quarterbacks fell. And really, Donnie, when you add the odds perspective, I want to hone in on Malik Willis quickly. 13 and a half for a draft position when we get to round number one. They reposted after he falls out of the first round at a 35 and a half, and there was a bounce, Donnie, where all of a sudden he was minus 150 to be the 34th overall pick. Donnie, I'm not sure if it's a stretch to say there is nothing the odds have ever been more wrong about in terms of when Malik Willis was going to be drafted. Why is that so? Because I, I think if you take a look at the past in
5: the NFL and how quarterbacks are drafted and what teams they go to, quarterback is usually a premium position. Now, we were anticipating, what, what was the number on the FanDuel Sports? It was three and a half. Three and a half was the number. And that was heavily juiced to the under because we weren't sure that a fourth quarterback was going to go. But I think if you asked any pundit, any person making a mock draft or any general manager around the National Football League, you probably thought to yourself, we're getting at least two quarterbacks here to go in the first round. And sometimes when you get those quarterbacks, which would have been Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, maybe you get that late run over the final seven or eight picks where teams start to get nervous that their guy won't be around in the second round or the third round by the time everybody picks their quarterbacks or had their say on that. So the interesting part about it overall was you're right. But at day two, and this is the difference between the old drafting structure where you used to have. Saturday and Sunday, as opposed to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because you get the regroup point. You get the okay, let's take a deep breath here. Kenny Pickett's the only quarterback that went. Any team out there, Kevin, that needs a quarterback is going to reconvene. They're going to work the phone lines. You're going to talk to other teams and say, okay, where's Malik Willis going to go? Because he's probably going to go within the first four to five picks here of the second round, if not the first overall pick, because teams that need a quarterback now in the second round, they're not going to want to wait around and say, hey, can we wait till pick 55? Can we wait till pick 47? No, we got to go get our guy now. Might cost us a third round pick or maybe a future second round pick some like that to go and get him. But you're right. Like there was information out there that basically were telling odds makers, handicappers, and beat writers that Malik Willis was a hot target here overnight and he should be off the board relatively quickly quickly, only to fall all the way down to eighty-sixth overall. I don't think anybody, Kevin, saw that coming. My
4: goodness. And and the thing, right, Donnie, is you know, at one point people thought he was gonna go number two to Detroit, right? But nobody thought that on Thursday. His over-under on Thursday was 13-and-a-half, right, or up 16-and-a-half. Like, it it was obviously moving a a bit, and I know Pickett's was moving as well. I mean, and and you mentioned as well, right down the over-under, three-and-a-half quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, two-and-a-half quarterbacks. I mean, we got one quarterback in two rounds. And Malik Willis was, like, minus 700 to be the second quarterback selected after the first round finished. And he wasn't even the second quarterback selected. Let's start there, Donnie. We'll get back to Malik. What did you make of Desmond Ritter ultimately being selected by the Atlanta Falcons, that decision by Atlanta, and how it impacts their upcoming season? Yeah, we'll talk
5: about all these quarterbacks, but I thought the interesting part was like Kenny Pickett goes to Pittsburgh and he's going to have you know a lot on his plate right away because fans in the front office are going to expect him to compete for a starting job here with Mitchell Trubisky. I actually don't think he wins the starting job coming out of camp, and I think that's fine. I think eventually he'll get worked in there. I do think it was a solid pick here where if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers needing a quarterback, didn't use any extra draft capital to get him. But now slide this down because we'll take a look at some of these quarterbacks, including Desmond Ritter going to the Falcons, and I think it's perfect here. You're going to get a guy, a solid quarterback in college that's been around the block that took his team from to from relatively like obscurity in Cincinnati. They always had a decent football program, but elevated them to a national stage. And there's something to be said about that, where I got us to cut bait and run and I'm a good quarterback. Let me transfer out and go to Oklahoma here for my senior year. He stayed all the way through with Cincinnati and built that program and got them. Almost to the promised land. Now, obviously, he's going to play some really good football teams once he got to the college football playoff. But let's take a look at him in Atlanta. Marcus Mariota, he doesn't have pressure to beat up Marcus Mariota. Could he come in and beat Marcus Mariota out of the starting job? Maybe so. We've seen it in the past where guys like Russell Wilson were drafted non-first-round, non-second-round talents and actually took care of business and won the starting job like with the Seattle Seahawks a few years ago now. Having said that, Ritter doesn't have a lot of pressure there, but I do think it's a great fit because if you're looking from an Atlanta perspective, you don't have your future quarterback. You didn't move heaven and mountains here to trade up into the first round to get a quarterback. You probably had a draft grade much higher on Desmond Ritter, and when he falls to you at that position, you say to yourself, I just can't pass this up here because does anybody see Desmond Ritter getting drafted? Oh, man, that's such a bad pick here. No. When I saw Ritter go off the board second, it didn't surprise me at all. I say, man, this kid's a really good quarterback. If he can stay on an NFL stage and learn for a year, there's a really good chance that even if Marcus Mariota, Kevin, is around for year number two in Atlanta, he could do some damage and compete for that starting
4: job. And that's all you ask for out of what? The 74th overall pick in the draft? Yeah, which I think, right, it, there's not a lot of pressure on Atlanta. You, we know that they brought Marcus in for what is essentially a one-year trial run. If he's great, you bring him back. If he's bad, you can put Ritter in. Ritter's also probably, Donnie, not going to, uh, you know, oh, it's week five, we're one and four. If they don't put Desmond Ritter in, I'm done watching Falcons football. It doesn't feel like it comes with that level of pressure. But I will say this, Donnie. They passed on Malik Willis. And that is a little bit surprising to me, that they passed on Malik Willis. I like what Desmond Ritter brings to the table, but it, it, you're Atlanta, Donnie. You're kind of, you know, retooling as is. I think most, if, everybody seemingly, I think, Donnie would agree, Malik Willis has the higher upside. You're in round number three. I'm surprised that they didn't swing bigger. I'm surprised that they didn't take the chance on Malik Willis, the intangibles, and the tools. That, that is why I, I wonder ultimately how that leads to the decision. And to be honest with you, to bring this kind of all back, Donnie, it really makes me wonder what exactly happened to Malik Willis in the last week in the build up to the draft, Donnie. Again, we've seen guys fall, right? Like I remember Brady Quinn fell, Donnie, and he was just all so embarrassed sitting in that draft. And guys fall. Malik Willis was minus 200 to be the first quarterback in the NFL draft and went in the third Round not as one of the first two quarterbacks there. I, it's as if, Donnie, like, everybody was completely wrong about how the NFL viewed Malik Willis. Because, Donnie, if I would have said, hey, this kid out of Liberty's got some good tools, he went in round three, you wouldn't bat an eye at it, right? We wouldn't even know who Malik Willis was. But, Donnie, I don't remember the – forget the odds for a second. I don't remember the draft process being so wrong about how a player is viewed by the NFL. Yeah, you're
5: right. And what changed late? Isn't that the question that we're going to ask here? Because going through the season, all right, we heard about Malik Willis. And anytime you hear about quarterbacks and once they get into the off season, there's draft status usually builds. And it did. Like, what did you hear out of the com- combine? Man, he killed it. Every time he got up on the chalkboard, he interviewed absolutely wonderfully. Now, we know he has a little bit of ways to go before he's a start in the NFL, but my goodness, all the tools and intangibles are there. And then he found the cameras that were viewing him across the street. Man, look at this guy. Like, he's leaving the combine. He's giving spare change to people on the street. This guy gets it. Like, this is perfect. Then he has his pro day. Did you see him roll out of the pocket and Mm -hmm. throw the ball with a flick of a wrist 60 yards? My goodness. All the tools are there. The kid is great. Let's see what happens. And then we didn't hear anything after the pro days here and then they show up on draft day because you're right where there's smoke we like to say Kevin there's fire there was a reason why Kenny Pickett was the number one quarterback on the draft board and then flipped completely over to Malik Willis what information were we getting back and also Kevin this wasn't a slip like hey Steelers decided to go 20 with Kenny Pickett somebody traded into the 22nd spot and got Malik Willis like oh well you know what they were really close to begin with no this was Kenny Pickett going round one and Malika Willis going like hey man Where am I actually going here (laughs) to draft? It's a pretty wild slide.
4: Yeah, it's, again, one of the more bizarre ones that I can remember. Up next, though, offensive and defensive rookie of the year odds are set. It'll really help us kind of break down these picks and our expectations. That's coming up next right here on Sports
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: ba da ba
4: Live on Sports Grid here. The NFL Draft is done. And that means we've got odds to an offensive rookie of the year. Kenny Pickett is a favorite at plus 600 alongside Drake London at the same price. Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Christian Watson are the six guys that are listed at under a 10-to-1 price. I'll start with this, Donnie. Kenny Pickett at plus 600, but having the odds so close to not just Drake London, but Traylon Burks and these other wide receivers surprises me. But perhaps not you as much. And I think it's because you and I differ on something quite strongly. If Kenny Pickett does not start for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they drafted the wrong quarterback. That dude is the same exact age as Sam Darnold, who has been stinking up the NFL for what feels like my entire life at this point here. Kenny Pickett, simply put, Donnie is old. And his competition is bad. There is no excuse for Kenny Pickett to not be the week one starter, and if he is, I don't see how he is plus 600 to an offensive rookie of the year the same price as Drake London.
5: This has a lot of 2021 vibes for me, and the reason I believe that, do you remember, like, hey, man, rookie of the Mm -hmm. year, Trey Lance. Hey, it's week six. He hasn't started yet. Don't you you (laughs) worry. Trey Lance gets in there week 12 and plays two weeks. He's going to be rookie of the year. That's what it has me feeling like. But again, the point is going to be meshed out here in training camp. If Kenny Pickett is the starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and let's just say he does play all 17 games for the Steelers, it's a really good chance he'll be rookie of the year because you're going to go up against a lot of rookie wide receivers where they're dependent on quarterbacks to get them the football as opposed to I'm a quarterback. I control my own destiny here to see if I can be the offensive rookie of the year. But if he doesn't start for the Pittsburgh Steelers and does one of those, hey, Trey Lance, well, maybe by week eight he's the starter over Mitchell Trubisky, that's not enough to win NFL rookie of the year, which then you would be looking to the wide receivers, Drake London, Trey Burks, Garrett Wilson, Hall, Hoy running back here, which is interesting, at a plus 950 price. But if I'm looking from a perspective of, where my value is going to come from, it's not going to come from Kenny Pickett because if I look at the next three wide receivers listed on, the, listed on the board, London, Burks, and Wilson, they're going to be starters from day one on their football team. This is a passing league. They don't have to be a 1,400-yard wide receiver trying to you know, duplicate Justin Jefferson you just have to be adequate enough because I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to come in and light the world on fire quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, again, if he plays all 17 games, Kevin, and they make the playoffs, like the Mac Jones effect, right, he's probably going to be mm-hmm. in the mix here for a rookie of the year. I just don't see him starting right out of the gate, so I can't bet him at 6-1 to one here at the FanDuel Sportsbook to be offensive rookie of the year. But I have to tell you, it's a nice market to be in where the starting guy here is a 6-1 to yeah. one, along with Drake London. That's a nice ticket here at 6-1. to one.
4: So it's May. Obviously, we'll see how this looks like if he has announced the week one starter. But to basically Donnie's point of Mac Jones, Mac Jones was not good, no matter what people try and tell you. And it took Jamar Chase scoring three touchdowns and 200 yards against the Kansas City Chiefs essentially to win Offensive Rookie of the Year away from Mac Jones very mid-season with the New England Patriots because there was team success. If Kenny Pickett is... Again, Mac Jones is level Donnie, considering what Big Ben brought to the table. The Steelers might have a chance to get back to the postseason, as we know, obviously they just did. To put all of these wide receivers, Donnie kind of, you know, the highlight, right? So Drake London goes to Atlanta, Traylon Burks goes to Tennessee, Garrett Wilson to the Jets, Christian Watson is in Green Bay. Good luck figuring out that wide receiver room. Alave to the Saints. The Jameson Williams number is very interesting with Detroit at a 10-1 to 1 price. I don't know if he's healthy enough for that. And so on and so forth, Donnie. It goes. Of the wide receiver crop, though, is there one guy for you that stands out amongst the rest where you think the opportunity plus the talent creates value?
5: I think it's kind of tough when you look at it because it's funny. The guy that was actually drafted where you say, ooh, that might have been a little bit too high was Chris Lave. He might be in a pretty good spot here because you're going to have a dominant number one on one side, Kevin, where he doesn't have to be that guy, which means if he just fills into his slot and catches 60 to 70 balls for close to 1,000 yards, what I do think is doable here. And also keep in mind, You're playing in the NFC South. It's not the outside of the Buccaneers, not the greatest defensive division, and you might be able to do some damage. So it's kind of funny where it was a head scratcher that Olave went as high as he did to the Saints. But if I'm looking for offensive rookie of the year market, it's not a bad market overall to be in here. But also, I like to throw this little thing because I know you like these type of little nuggets. I'm going to say, you scroll down 10 to ones, 12 to ones, 14 to ones, 16 to ones, and then you get into a deeper market where you have a big lottery ticket in your pocket. Can I sell you on a 42-to-1 price rookie of the year, Carson Strong, Kevin? Can no, I sell you on that God. one?
4: What a waste of my time, man. I thought you were going to bring up Kyron Williams, Notre Dame great Donnie, who's booked at the same price and is like RB7 uh-uh. on the Rams mm-hmm. depth short. Uh, no, you can't sell me on that. Um if you know something went wrong and he ended up in the starting spot there then that'd be a different conversation but there is no reason to believe that Carson Strong will be playing any legitimate football <laughs> this year. I'll say quickly on the wide receiver situation, I have no idea why Drake London is 6 to 1 and Treylon Burks is plus 750. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Treylon Burks walks into the Tennessee Titans locker room legitimately as the number one wide receiver. I mean, I guess it depends when Robert Woods is back healthy. but Drake London and and also, where would you rather be the number one wide receiver? Atlanta or Tennessee? I, I, I feel like the Drake London number for me completely misses the mark. I don't agree with it whatsoever. Before we move over to the defensive side of the football, Donnie. Malik Willis mm-hmm. is twelve to one. Ritters fourteen to one. Corral twenty two. To one, Sam Howell's fifty to one. Who, by the way, barely zappy went in front of him, which is absolutely hilarious. (laughs) Like we talk so much about Sam Howell, and then I mean, golly, I mean, brother went in the fifth round. Uh, Donnie uh, Willis Ritter Corral of that trio, any catch your eye?
5: It's interesting because Sam Howe obviously and again like we didn't get to these points here, but I do think where if you're going to slide back in the draft and he said, Okay, give me the guys that slid because they're obviously really upset with where they went and they're gonna lose a lot of money. But Malik Willis to the Titans, I think it's a fantastic spot for him to go sit behind Tannehill. No pressure to overcome and come into camp and be the number one guy and say, hey, I, I told you he wasn't ready to be in the NFL. He can learn there. Ritter to the Falcons. A little bit less pressure also. You're in Atlanta, not a good football team. But quite frankly, a chance that he might be able to play and start multiple games here for Atlanta, depending on how the season goes. Corral to the Panthers is so interesting here because Sam Darnold is, to me, it's almost like, hey, Sam, we're going to you're going to start or be a starter on a game-to-game basis. Like, you stink week. One, we're already looking to move on. So I think there's a legitimate chance that, like, Matt Corral could get some decent looks here. Now let's take a look here at Sam Howe for Washington again. Carson went, which makes me laugh. Like, they probably had to get on the phone, Kevin, and say, hey, look, Carson, mm-hmm. we're drafting a quarterback. It's not round one, two, or like a guy that's supposed to take your job. But I got a feeling like Carson Wentz just sees like Sam Howe gets taken. Howe comes in. He has great arm talent, can move around the pocket, make some throws. And does Carson Wentz's season go sideways because they drafted Sam Howe? Probably not. But if I'm looking overall here, to be honest with you, I do think Matt Corral, the Panthers, if something goes wrong in, in, in uh, Carolina where it's all of a sudden like, we're not really worried about this season, let's find our quarterback, he might be able to do some damage. It's interesting that we're trying to take flyers here, but the deepest flyer may be for Matt Corral.
4: Yeah, so I think Corral pre- presents the most value because he has yeah. legitimate week one starting equity. Malik needs an injury. Ritter needs an injury. Corral doesn't. He just needs Sam uh, Darnold to stay his horrendous self that I hope Jets fans are over now rooting for, and I hope he eventually finds a nice landing spot. The last thing I'll say here, Brees Hall at plus 950, talking about Jets, uh, that's a legitimate nice piece of business there. Uh, if he's the starting running back week one, that's just it's it's just way more of a guaranteed workload than anything these wide receivers are going to be bringing to the table. I can't say the thing same thing about Kenneth Walker and C. Seattle team, I have no idea. Someone told them that it, like running backs are still the most important position. An entire front office is horrendous, but no, it's all it's fine. Russ is in Denver now. They're doing a great job. Uh, defensive rookie of the year, Donnie. Hutchinson, plus 500. Kayvon Thibodeau, plus 550. Trayvon Walker, six to one. There's a couple of guys here, Donnie. In fact, it's a list that runs seven deep when we talk about guys that are listed under a 10 to one price. Talk to me at the top, that, that premier edge rusher group. Hutch, Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, what catches the eye? What's the
5: easiest way to make a splash for a defensive rookie here? Getting sacks off the edge, right? You come out of college, you're built to rush the quarterback and sack the quarterback. You don't have to learn you know, defensive schemes. And why I put that in there is when you take a look at a guy like Kyle Hamilton, who's a wonderful football player coming out of Notre Dame and fits to a perfect situation. But what does he have to do? Like, let's just say he's the best safety in football, but only has two interceptions. Uh, you know what, Aiden Hutchinson had 10 sacks, or Kayvon Thibodeau had 9.5 sacks, or Trayvon Walker had 11 sacks, they immediately get the mantle as they're going to be Defensive Player of the Year because that's what counts for us, right? I doubt, you know, Hamilton's going to have 11 interceptions, six fumble recoveries, and three sacks off the edge, right? So you try to give it to the pass rushers at the top of the market, but also you sort of slow it down and say, who's going to be more effective and what can you actually anticipate? Now, Detroit, how many games are they going to win? How many times is Aiden Hutchinson going to be, you know, pinning his ears back late in the fourth quarter, hunting sacks because the other team has no choice, Kevin, but to throw for the final five to six minutes of the game? Kayvon Thibodeau, the Giants, same exact thing. Trayvon Walker, those are the things that you want to line up because the better the football team here, Kevin, the better the chance of defensive rookie of the year. Because how many times are we going to see a defense that's a bottom five go, yeah, they had the defensive rookie of the year? How? The team stunk on defense the entire way. So maybe it comes down that the way we talk about the MVP award across sports like an NBA. Hey, best player on the best team is going to get that award. That's what I'm trying to look at and try to find out. Like Jermaine Johnson is a very interesting one because if you're looking for like a a football team to try to take the next step, maybe it's the Jets. I don't quite see it yet for the Detroit Lions, but I can Mm -hmm. see why he's a favorite here at a 5-1, an elite pass rusher going to a football team where he's going to get a lot of snaps here. But this is a lot more, you know, congested department for me than the offensive rookie of the year, Kevin.
4: Yeah, so the interesting thing, Donnie, though, is you talk about the easiest way to do is to get sacks. Historically, that is true. If we can add Micah Parsons as a pass rusher, which yeah. is kind of what he turned into, right, Donnie? Since 2010, eight of the last twelve were guys whose job it was to go out there and get the quarterback. So and, and let me let me add this by the way. Since the year two thousand Every single one of those, these are old notes I've had, Where was every single one of the winners was a top 40 pick, and only three of the 22 were second rounders. So you can really take this list, Donnie, and just, all right, where are my round one edge rushers, right, which is a list of four guys. Here's the thing. I think that Hutch and Kayvon Thibodeau are better than Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker gets to play alongside Josh Allen though, and take a lot of pressure off of him. Like, Donnie, is it is it wrong to say that when teams play the Lions, they're going to be game planning for a guy playing Good his point. first career season? Like that can make things difficult on him, right? Obviously, I like I like the talent of Kayvon Thibodeau as well, but I actually, as much as I was kind of down on the pick, I think Trayvon Walker can make some sense. I'll just sneak this in. The other way that a guy Donnie can you know make a splash in this market is to be a hundred plus tackle guy. If Nicobe Dean is healthy, and we have no idea, Donnie, at fifteen to one, it's not bad.
5: No, it's certainly not bad here. And also, when you take a look at Trayvon Walker, one of those high upside guys, what are you going to tell him? I'm not going to teach you too much, kid. Just rush the quarterback, and that's all you have to worry
4: about. That could be a big added here in one of these longer tickets. Yeah, it's going to be some fun stuff to break down. We'll talk the 2022, uh, 2023 draft odds to close out now.
1: Every time,
2: and if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba da ba ba ba.
4: One draft season ends and the next begin. Twenty twenty three. Don C J Stroud plus two hundred. Bryce Young plus two hundred. Will Anderson. Plus 300 there. Donnie, anything interesting to you about the top of the board? Oh, I know where this is going to go. Yeah. Uh huh.
5: Yep. Yeah, look. Now, look. There's quarterbacks at the top of the board. C-D- CJ Straub and Bryce Young. Two good players. I'm sure they have fine <laughs> NFL careers. But the market is wrong here. And it's set backwards. Will Anderson, yeah, the underdog of all underdogs. Three to one here to be the number one <laughs> overall pick. But... Tyler Van Dyke mm-hmm. at 18 to 1. And I'm telling you right now, you like to get in on a good thing, right? Back in the day, like if you would have just invested in Apple way back in the day, if you would have just invested in Amazon when they were just a bookstore online, how much money you would have. Well, I think it's similar to this one here, Kevin. 18 to 1 price on Tyler Van Dyke to be the number one overall pick in 2023. It's as good as Microsoft. It's as good as Amazon. It's as good as any top. I mean, this is the Berkshire Hathaway of
4: investments here.
5: TVD, 18 to 1. You can't go wrong. You
4: can't. Whenever you can get involved with a guy that threw one touchdown to three picks against a vaunted UNC defense, you better run to the window. Certainly not a couple of guys that are essentially already taking up two, uh, four college football playoff spots. I the one thing I will say, Donnie, more so is the fact that Will Anderson is plus three hundred, as you mentioned, Mister Underdog himself. Right? I mean, he's just hoping he gets picked and doesn't go undrafted. Yeah. I have to imagine, Donnie, but like, in what, Donnie? You mean to tell me that there's going to be a team that's going to be sh- doesn't need quarterback at all and has no desire to trade for Stroud, Young, I'll even entertain Van Dimes, Don, that Will Anderson's going to go yep. first in this quarterback class?
5: Yeah, it doesn't make much sense to where it's lining up here. But you never know. Quarterbacks fell this year. Maybe they fall again
4: next year also. What an underdog story it would be. Yeah. Will Anderson. Our number two. Coming up.